Welcome into the GT Counter Podcast. My name is Tyler Edsel, and joining me as always, my co-host, the credentialed man. What is up, Grayson Winners? What up, Ed? You know, uh, it's really good to be here. Really good to uh, get another opportunity to get after this. Got my got my main dog, Reed Roloffs, on the mic today. My man is is still salty about Ryan Day kicking the extra point. Um, Reed, would you like to would you like to talk about it or? There is no reason to kick the extra point. <laughs> All right, I've moved on. Wait, can, can we can we hear your can we hear your reasoning behind it? I think that the viewers need to understand. Listen, you're you score the go ahead point touchdown. You're up by two points. There's two options. You kick the extra point, and you have a chance to get it blocked and returned, and therefore it would be a tie game, or which is the riskier option. Or you take the knee, you do any sort of kick in the world, you squib kick it, you do whatever, the game is over, and there's no chance of losing. And again, Ryan Booster took one look in the press box, and someone holding a sign that says, make the boosters happy. I'm making this up, but he shouldn't have kicked. I'm, I'm upset, and it made me have a losing week, so that's yeah. all you absolutely uh you absolutely hate to see it um yeah he did kind of can the uh can the spread there so that's really unfortunate see you forgot to mention the part where up there on the press box there's the richest booster in the world just holding up the sign that says good teams win great teams cover and ryan day's like you know what I got to go talk my shit to Lou Holtz after this. We are covering. <laughs> I think he must have saw Lou Holtz in the press box. That must have been what it does. He had the quarterback on the field. He's like, that Lou Holtz? We're kicking. <laughs> Lou Holtz, Ty Schmidt. I mean, what's the difference? I saw uh, this is this has kind of just brought me to tears earlier this week. I'm at the gym. I'm on the treadmill and listen to a little college football podcast and one of the guys on there is talking about the Notre Dame Ohio State game, and he's like, you know, ball down on the on the half yard line, one yard line, whatever. And he goes, you know, it'd only be fitting if they did the bush push. And I about I got off the treadmill and walked out of the gym, turned off the podcast, and still haven't finished it. So it was really disappointing here, but yeah, tough day. <laughs> You'll get the Bush Push game coming up in a couple of weeks when USC comes to down. Then we'll be talking. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm more worried about this week, but we'll get to that in a bit. That we will, Grayson. All right, let's not waste any more time. Let's get to the weekend precap. One thing we are excited for, there's a lot of different directions we could go with this. A lot of things going on in the sports world. But I'll kick it to our guest, Reed, first. What are you excited about? You know, it's another week of college football. And what does that mean? It's another week to watch the Washington Huskies. And you know what? Michael Penix, I don't know if you guys know this, has surpassed Caleb Williams as the betting favorite, at least in some books, as you know the favorite to win the Heisman. So uh, as much as we think that Washington might be under the radar, they are certainly not. And uh, you know, with the favorite there, Washington, another should be another easy win against an Arizona team. So... Uh, can't wait to watch the Huskies. Yeah, I like that there. We are not far away from the Huskies getting their first real test against Oregon, but uh, 
until then we can watch them willfully hang up 65 on anybody that they want to. So, uh, Grayson, we'll go to you next. What has got you hyped up for the weekend? Well, you know, I was really, really excited for college football, as I always am. But, you know, watching a little bit of that uh, that pre-practice round for the Ryder Cup and watching Victor Hovland just drain one on a par three right in the center, I think that I'm just overly excited for this Ryder Cup. I mean, it's debatably, it's my favorite tournament of the year. Some people would probably disagree, but it's my personal favorite of the year. Wish DeChambeau was playing, but I can I can get over that for a little bit. Um, we're still still Team USA all the way, but we're a little nervous. Yeah, yep. I know what I'll be doing Friday morning. Uh, shout out to the Ryder Cup. It starts at like one thirty our time, so won't be up that early. But we'll catch the uh, what is it? The afternoon tea times over there. Those will oh, be yeah. You'll be right you'll about be the time busy. I. Yeah, right about the time I'm steamrolling into work, it'll be it'll be all good. It'll be perfect. <laughs> so uh, for me, I mean, I can only go one way with this. It's the uh, the Arkansas Texas A and M game that I'm excited for, and you know why? It's because we got lucky and we are credentialed media for the game. We will be there on the field pregame, bringing you that sweet sweet content. We'll be there in the press box, chopping it up with the Big J journalists. Then we'll bring you a post-game pod, just a quick little debrief about what we saw. And then we'll go celebrate afterwards at everybody's favorite, the local pluggers. So really excited to get out there. Truly terrified about what we could get ourselves into. But uh, it should be an absolutely fantastic time. So that is definitely what I am excited for. But... uh, All right, let's get into it. College football time. We are going to go to the Friday night game. We have four ranked on ranked matchups this week, and one of them is Friday night at, uh, let's see, 8 p.m. Friday on FS1. We have number 10 Utah traveling to number 19 Oregon State. This line has moved from when I took a look at it this morning. It was three and a half this morning. And now is it? It is four and a half, depending on the book where you get it. So, as always, we let the sports books guide our discussion here on the GT Counter. So, Reed, I'll kick it over to you first. An exciting matchup here, but uh, feels like a good uh, get right spot potentially for the Beeves. Yeah. Again, you know, whenever I talk about Utah, you know, I give credit where credit is due, and Kyle Whittingham continuing to find a way to win these games. Um, but again, you have to talk about what's the status of Cam Rising. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Um, you know, I'd probably think that in a short week, if he's not ready last week, he's probably not going to be ready this week. And really no update on that front that I've at least seen. Uh, so, again, it looks like they're going to go in undermanned there. And it feels like a good spot for Oregon State to kind of get their grip and, you know, win this game, uh, especially for me as an over eight and a half Oregon State I would love for them to pull this one out. Uh, probably one that I would have anticipated them dropping early in the year. So um, time to get one back in the win column. And especially at home, a great opportunity uh, with a great crowd there in Corvallis. Grayson, any feel on this one? You know, I just worry about Utah's offense if Cam Rising isn't playing. I think that Utah gets talked up a lot and then – you look over and you look at an Iowa team that has a very comparable offense, just equally bad, and both very comparable defenses that are just equally, absolutely 
insanely good. Um, I worry about this Utah team coming out, and especially against DJU and the team that leads the nation in red zone offense. So I'm, I mean, I like, I like Oregon State here. Uh, I still think I took Utah money line in our in our bets this week, but you know, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if Oregon State was to win. Yeah, you mentioned the red zone there. Uh, Oregon State is perfect, a hundred percent in red zone scoring chances this year. Uh, and then you'd think that Utah, since they don't have rising, would be a good rushing team. But Oregon has outgained them both in yards and yards per carry, as well as rushing touchdowns. So a bit interesting there, a bit of a discrepancy from what you would think. So all in all, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with uh, it being a good spot for Oregon State, especially at home on a short week. Uh, a quick chance to right the ship and get the bad taste out of their mouth from whatever happened in Pullman this past weekend. So I agree with you there. I will take the beeves. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the Saturday slate. Another ranked on ranked matchup. We have number 24, Kansas rock chalk. The Jayhawks are going into Austin to play Texas. Texas is a 16 and a half point favorite. As of last check, that number is down from, I believe it was 19 earlier in the week. So little bit of steam coming in on Kansas. Reed, you're a, a known Jayhawk backer this year. What's your feel on this one? Yeah, I love my Jayhawks. You know, the only way they stay in this game is if they continue to do what they do best, and that is put up points and, and put up points quickly. So, you know, I'd imagine they're going to have to score 30 to 35 points to stay competitive. Um, if they reach that point, I would imagine they would, you know, also cover there. So, it's going to boil down to, you know, the offense for them, the defense, you know, Texas is going to score. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, if Kansas can keep up offensively uh, as, as much as I love Kansas, I do know they have flaws uh, in their team. And you know, that's where we, when we look at the other side of Texas, I don't think they have any, you know, flaws, at least from what we've seen so far. So uh, I expect Texas to roll in this one, but, you know, hoping, that Kansas can, you know, remain competitive in this one. Uh, I think a big time key to success for Texas this week is going to be in that defensive line. Uh, Kansas's run game is an absolute problem. They're rushing for more than over 200 yards a game. And if you let Kansas get rolling in that run game, you leave that play action game wide open for them to just take the top off. Uh, Texas, if they want to win this game, their defensive line has to play the way they played against Alabama. They have to be dominant up front, and they have to convert in the red zone. Texas is bottom third in the country in the red zone, and you know they're matching up against Kansas's defense, which is also bottom third in the red zone. So win in the red zone and play good, uh, dominate the line of scrimmage, and Texas wins this game and probably covers. So. Yeah, if you look at this one, so Texas's defense is number two in the in college football and red zone defense. They have allowed one touchdown and ten trips to the red zone this year for their opponents. That is number one in the country. The other four uh, scores they have allowed has been field goals. So if they can limit teams to holding uh, only scoring half the time they get there the entire year, I mean they're going to be tough to beat as a whole. But I tend to think that's a little unsustainable. But for for this game, the key is absolutely making Jalen Daniels be one-dimensional. He can't be able to do both the passing and the rushing attack. 
you got to li- try to find a way to limit him in at least one of those. So that's going to be a, a really stiff challenge for the Texas defense. Uh, I do think that there will be plenty of points scored in this game. So if I was going to lean one way, I would lean, I would lean high on the point total. But uh, I do think Texas wins probably fairly comfortably. I just sixteen and a half is a lot to lay there. So I'll be rooting for my horns as uh, they get ready for Red River next week and uh, what will be the pivotal game of the Big Twelve season this year. So does uh. Just, uh does- does Texas worry you at all with – I mean, I know they came out and they rolled over a Baylor team last week, but they did look sloppy. I mean, you fumble a punt, you know, you have a couple of rough drives in between there. Does that does that worry you if you give – if you give Kansas the ball in plus territory because you're turning the ball over, you're, you're in trouble? Texas always worries me regardless of who they're playing. Like, it's like, oh, you're tied with Wyoming in the fourth quarter or – or, you know, they're down to Bama in the fourth quarter. It's like, yeah, of course they are. I mean, they always worry me. So if this thing is 24-21 in the fourth quarter, I'll just shrug my shoulders and be like, yeah, that's probably about right. So, <laughs> you know, I can't be too surprised if they if they play down to the level there. But yeah. Kansas is a good team. So if they play down to the level, I mean, it's not playing too far below their, below their standard. Obviously, they're the more talented team, but they can't mess around with these Jayhawks. I feel like this would be a lot more interesting if this one was in Kansas. I think it would, you know, maybe – I think it would be closer. The game would be played. You know, it would be a funner matchup. But, yeah, I think Texas is just too talented. They might screw around for a couple quarters, but, you know, they'll figure it out at some point. I tend to agree there. I just wouldn't want any part of the of this spread one way or number. Just uh, feels like a good line to me. Let's keep it moving. Let's head down to the sip with Ole Miss. Uh, we have LSU coming to town against Ole Miss in a game which is surely to be entertaining. Two offenses that can score with the best of them in the country. And uh, the, the the books reflect that. If you look at the game, the total is set at 67.5, which is high. LSU only favored by 2.5, though. That's a suspicious number there. So, Reed, you're our expert. I'm sure you have uh, some feelings on this one. Yeah, I, I did something last week that I should never probably do ever again, and that's trust Ole Miss. And, you know, you can make the argument, well, that's Ole Miss on the road. But, frankly, I don't think it matters. I They had a prime opportunity to go into Bama and, you know, at least compete, and they looked awful offensively. Uh, I would have to agree that Alabama is better than LSU defensively, but – you know, I just think that LSU has kind of been a roller coaster this whole year. They've been up and down and up and down. And last week almost lost to, you know, Arkansas. So um, if the trend continues, that means this week on the roller coaster, they'll be up. So I'm trusting my heart in this one. Uh, it's a hunch. And you know, I think LSU is going to win. Um, I think they'll win close to seven to ten points. So. Uh, I'm liking LSU in this one, and I think they they bounce back. Grayson, are you trusting your boy Brian Kelly in this spot? You know, I think it's not Brian Kelly that I'm I'm thinking about in this game. I think I'm thinking about the fact that Lane Kiffin hasn't said anything on social media this week. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, nobody hates him because usually he talks all the smack and then his team loses, so you have nothing to be mad about. Um 
but yeah, that it, it worries me that he's been really quiet this week. I don't know if they if that's why the uh, the spread's so tight or what the deal is there. But I know that this Ole Miss offensive line is drastically bad, and they're playing against an LSU defensive line who just got uh, Mason Smith back from injury um, after he hurt his knee at Grambling, who's actually only played one game this season because he was suspended for. Uh, Improper benefits, um, receiving improper benefits against Florida State. Didn't get to play in that game, uh, which probably would have helped them a lot because he's the best DT on the team. But, yeah, like the fact that he's back and obviously Makai Wingo is going to be playing. So putting those two guys together against a bad defensive line is trouble for Ole Miss. I wouldn't be surprised if they got at least three sacks in this game. So, yeah, I still I like LSU to win this game, but just interesting that Lane Kiffin's been super quiet. So, yeah. So to back up your point, uh, the Bear Chris Felica does a a po- a, a quick little thread on Twitter, I guess Twitter X, whatever you want to call it, and uh, just goes over some news and notes for the college football, and he brings this note to the table. He says that. In since 2008, there have only been five times where a team has had to play Alabama and LSU in back-to-back weeks, and in those five times, the teams went at combined one and nine so far. So one and ten, if you include Ole Miss last week. Uh, the only time was a they got a win was a 2021 Arkansas win over LSU, uh, and then they lost Bama the week after. So. Uh, not a great spot for Ole Miss, if you think at it from uh, from that angle. However, however, I like the Rebels here. I think that they can cause LSU some problems. Uh, if you look at this team, they're aggressive on the play calling. That's what you'd like to see. They're 80% on fourth down conversions this year, and they've gone for it 10 times. Um, you know, if you go through the stats, they're comparable through the air. LSU's a bit better on the ground, but... I think that Ole Miss has the horses to hang here. It's going to be a night game in front of the home crowd. Uh, give me the two and a half. I'm going to wait to see if a three pops up. But I like Ole Miss to get the win here outright. LSU has looked shaky throughout the year, and I'm not going to trust them on the road in a big in a big spot here. So I will take the Rebs. Lane, don't let me down. I've tried fading you this year. You backdoor covered me to death. Now it's time to back you as a dog, and I can't wait to be let down. <laughs> Grayson, it is time to talk about your Irish. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish are going to Duke. That is going to be 6.30 Saturday night on ABC. In a game that at the beginning of the year, I can't say that anybody had circled on their calendars, but yet here we are and it's a top 20 matchup. Uh, looks like the number is bouncing around somewhere between five and a half and six. The total at 52. Gosh, it's going to be an interesting game over there in North Carolina. Uh, let's not waste any time. Grayson, go ahead. You know, this game's been circulating in my head for all week long, obviously. And I've been I've been thinking, I'm like, man, you know, it's, it's Duke. Like, it's Duke. Yeah, they beat Clemson, but how can Duke be any good? And then you start doing a little bit of research into it. You find out that this Riley Leonard guy, their QB, can do a 360 windmill dunk. And he's just an absolute freak show of a player. Um, I actually was listening to 
another podcast earlier today, and somebody was saying that they think he's a better quarterback than Sam Hartman is. That is probably a very interesting take. Um, but I could definitely see him potentially having a better future than Sam Hartman. Don't think he's a better quarterback right now, but potential better future. Uh, I don't know. Obviously, I'm obviously I'm Notre Dame all the way in this game. Uh, Clemson played. I think Clemson played a really really sloppy game when they played against Duke. I think they didn't convert in the red zone, and I think Notre Dame's not going to have that problem. I think Notre Dame's going to come out and they're going to handle business the way Notre Dame handles business. And hopefully by handling business, that means that they're not giving the other team the ball back with a minute and 30 seconds left in the game. Um, yeah, I, I think Notre Dame wins this game. I think they win probably by two touchdowns. To your point, I think that Clemson team is probably closer to the one that we saw against Florida State and rather than the one that we saw against uh, Duke at the beginning of the year. But but yeah, I mean, this game is going to be interesting. If I had to lean one way, I would take Duke just for Notre Dame coming off that huge loss. It's a bit of a letdown spot. You got to go on the road, but they should be able to get up for this one. It's a ranked matchup. You got to go out there and get it. And it's win out from here in order to save any chance they have of getting into the playoff. The only thing that makes me really nervous is last year we go out and we play Ohio State and we lose to Ohio State. And then we come out the week after in a sleepy spot against Marshall. We come out, we lose to Marshall. So can we figure out how to bounce back after losing to a good football program this season and come back out and, you know, tell everybody what's up in the kind of that way, you know? So that's just how I'm feeling. I forgot y'all went through that stretch last year where you couldn't beat anybody. You lost to Marshall and Cal, I think. Yeah, we were, it was rough. Reed, what are you thinking? Yeah, this game to me feels pretty evenly matched. I feel like both these teams are kind of built similarly. Um, one thing for sure, they both have pretty good defense. And, you know, I know it's easy to look at, you know, the Clemson game week one uh, with Duke. Probably didn't play as well as the score indicated. You know, that game should have been a lot closer. Clemson just fumbled so many times uh, in the red zone going to score, but both these teams are, you know, really solid defensively. And I don't think either of their offenses will necessarily wow you. So to me, one of the first things I saw when I was looking at this whole slate in general is this point total seems so high at 52, you know, obviously we just saw Ohio state put up 17 points and, you know, we kind of saw Notre Dame against a capable defense for the first time and you know they were held in check too so to me it wouldn't be a shocker for this game to be you know 23 to 20 when it's all said and done and and that's that's plenty of room to spare so uh, I love the under in this game that's not something I've even ever gravitated off of and you know I just would be shocked for it to be a high scoring affair um but if I was to lean a certain way, I think Notre Dame escapes. All right. Good stuff there. I do like that look on the under as well. Duke has shown themselves to be uh, plenty fine playing games in a phone booth with low scoring games in the past. So don't hate that look there at all. 
All right, coming up next, we will get into our sneaky good games or the everybody is watching games or maybe the boots are on the ground games. So those will be coming up next. All right, coming back, let's go ahead and hit a couple of games that will be meaningful throughout the slate. We'll hit these in the uh, the quick hitters here. So first up, we got ranked Florida, Florida number 22 at Kentucky. Florida is plus one in this game. They were plus three earlier in the week. Uh, Kentucky unranked at home and a favorite. Does that make sense, Reed? Yeah, I listen. There is absolutely no chance Florida leaves the swamp and comes away with a win. There is no chance. Kentucky's played well. You know, they haven't necessarily played anybody, but we haven't seen anything to suggest otherwise. Florida's offense is just not going to be able to hang. You know, you you take the run away, and and I feel like you win the game. And, you know, this game would be interesting if it was in Florida, but you're not in the swamp anymore. You're you're not riding off the coattails of, of Daddy's Swamp. So, again, Kentucky's going to win. Um, yeah, not sure why the line was moving the way it was. It's just confusing to me. And, you know, it feels like a game that Kentucky should, you know, control. And um, I think it'll be a defensive battle, but, you know, K- Kentucky's got more on offense and the benefit of playing at home. Yeah, I agree. I'm all aboard the cats on this one. I see a couple of minus ones out there, minus one and a half. Uh, I'd be happy to give any number up to three. Uh, I might just wipe it and take money line to be safe. But yeah, I think Kentucky. I think Kentucky outclasses Florida in this one. Uh, Grace, any thoughts on this one? You know, I I don't very oftenly do this, but I just disagree with both of you guys here. Uh, I know that you guys hate Florida, but you look at the stats and the stats talk, man. Florida's defense is ranked fifth nationally in total production and number one in the SEC against the pass. And they're number 20 in all of FBS against the run. This defense is something serious. I'm telling you, you sleep. They're going to muddy up this game. And Kentucky is going to be held very low in points. And Mertz is going to come out there and just do enough. Just do enough. And Florida's going to win this game. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be a dumpster fire, but Florida's going to win this game. I'd just like to point out that Florida has played a backup quarterback in Utah and lost. Uh, Then they played an FCS school. Congratulations on getting your big win there. Uh, Then they played Joe Milton, who was uh, dreadful in that game in Florida. And then they allowed uh, Club Lit. They allowed Florida to – they only won by 15 against Charlotte. Like, I mean, this team isn't very good. Let's just be realistic here. Their ranking is what it is because they beat Tennessee. So, yeah, I can agree. They won't be ranked at the end of the year. And, again, you know, the defense, sure, they do they got a, a pretty good defense? They got a, sure, solid defense. But, you know, that's – they haven't played, you know, I don't think a top 60 offense in the country yet. So – yeah, things will change, and, you know, Grace and I, I can't wait to for you to find out there on Saturday. I can't wait to find out. When you guys when you guys are wrong, you can write apology letters to my doorstep. I'll take you off on that. I love that. <laughs> Let's go to the next one, another game that uh, I am sure tons of eyeballs will be tuned into for whatever reason. Uh, we've got USC, number eight in the country, traveling to Colorado to play – Coach Prime and the Buffs. Uh, USC, 21.5 point favorite. Huge total here, 73.5. 
I mean, I think we can all agree that USC is probably going to name their score here. They can probably score whatever they'd like. The real question is, what is Colorado going to do? USC is great at applying pressure, and Colorado is dreadful at protecting against it. So going to be an interesting clash there. I would lean towards USC covering this big number, but uh, not not fully confident in it to take it myself. So uh, any thoughts from either of you on this one? You know, I saw in the Oregon game Xavier Weaver go down late, the leading receiver for Colorado. So he's a game-time decision on whether he's going to play with his ankle injury. That could be very drastic for this team. And, you know, I've heard – Everybody was talking about in the media about how these coaches, they pass around these coaches' books on how to on how to beat teams and yada yada when they play them week after week. They all pass them around throughout the throughout college football or whatever. And everybody says when you play Colorado, they can't run the ball. So you rush three guys against this dreadful offensive line who's gonna allow pressure. You play quarter coverage and you make Shiloh Sa- or Shador Sanders make a play. And I think that's what's gonna happen on Saturday. I think that Colorado really doesn't stand a chance in this game. Uh, USC's defense isn't anything spectacular, but I think they're good enough that they'll be able to get the job done, and they're better than they were last year. And USC is going to do whatever they want to do on offense. I think Caleb Williams will probably play every bit of three quarters and then sit out in the fourth. However, I could still see a backdoor cover coming because Prime hates to pull out his starters. So Shador will probably play the whole entire game and they'll probably backdoor cover. So, Yeah, that, that backdoor does potentially scare me. That's why I won't want to take it. But uh, Reed, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so, you know, as I was had a great weekend of college football last week, we have, you know, the night games. We have, you know, USC at Arizona State and – USC gave up 28 points to Arizona State, which is one of the worst Power 5 teams in the country. And they were down by seven with the ball to go take, you know, at least at least tie it in the fourth quarter. It's concerning. That is very concerning. And as somebody that loves Caleb Williams, it pains me to say, but I don't think USC is that good. And it's almost a little bit of a nightmare matchup because you know their defense isn't any good so i think you know usc is going to have a hard time covering this number strictly because you know colorado i think obviously they're not going to lay in i would sure hope they're not going to lay an egg like they did last week but you know i think they'll be relatively competitive offensively and you know that 21 and a half just feels awfully high and like you mentioned the back door is always in play. Uh, you know, Caleb Williams doesn't play a lot of fourth quarters. So this just feels like a good spot for Colorado to bounce back, especially at home. So I think it's a good spot there. Uh, I still think USC is going to win. They're just too talented. But I just I like this spot for Colorado in a bounce back game. Hey, don't tell Tim Brando that USC's defense isn't very good. I mean, that guy's bought in on Alex Grinch. Somebody bribed him for sure because, yeah, he's not been watching the same games that we've been watching. That so was the wildest comment I heard all week. I mean, it was like, what are we talking about here, dude? Yeah, I don't. I genuinely don't understand it. Like, I, I don't understand what he was seeing. And, yeah, it's going to be really funny when they play the Huskies and 
The score is 70 to 50. It'll be curious what he has to say then. One uh, one thing I do want to bring up to y'all is that I did see the over-under win total for Colorado change to five and a half games. Do you guys see them becoming bowl eligible with, you know, the strength of their schedule the rest of the season? Do they do they can they pull out three more wins on the year? Oh, I mean, if you look at their schedule, it's, they've it's, got some. It's tough. It's a tough schedule. They've got some tough ones. I mean, let me get it pulled up here real quick. I of course want to be accurate for the. Uh, well, I think I the think listeners. they got they got so they play USC this upcoming week, and then they go Arizona State and Stanford. I think they can win those two games. But then you go UCLA, Oregon State, Arizona is the other game. Can you they they might be able to beat Arizona, and then you play Washington State and Utah. They're not beating either one of those teams. So in order for them to be bowl eligible, they got to beat Arizona State, Stanford, and then they play Arizona at home. So I mean, it could be. Mm, I'll give them the home games with Stanford and Arizona, but. Arizona you know, State, yeah. Oregon State is going to absolutely drive them through the stadium. Like they're going to get be outclassed in a way that, like even Oregon isn't as physical as Oregon State is going to be. Like they are some straight up bullies up front. Uh, US UCLA with Dante Moore is going to carve that defense. I know they put up seven points last week. Utah is is a problem, especially on the defensive end. So yeah. I don't read too much into that. Then, like Washington State, Cam Ward threw for 300 in the last uh, first half he played. So, not sure that's going to be a very winnable game on the road. Talk about an end of the season. They finish up at Washington State, at Colorado, that or at Utah. That is miserable there. Awful, yeah. awful finish. Yeah, it feels like there's three games there that they you know have a chance in. Um, could they go three and zero? Absolutely. I probably think that they don't you know they're going to drop one of these that i know people say that they should win but you know this this roster is not complete by any means so there's a reason they were 1-11 last year and uh or were they owen did they they won a game last year yeah so yeah i i do think that pac-12 is going to be a rude awakening as if last weekend wasn't enough but yeah, that five and a half seems fair. Not sure where the juice is on that number, but you know, I probably tend to lean under there. But who knows? Could be six. I think they're capped out at six, though. Yeah, I'd have to agree. All right, let's keep it moving here. We are going to go with the game that we will be boots on the ground in. Texas A&M is laying six against Arkansas. The total there fifty three. This game is at 11 a.m. on the SEC network. We can't even get this game on Big ESPN. That's tough to see. Uh, maybe that, that's why they let uh, our jabroni selves in the game there. It's as a uh, as media. It's on the. Uh, it's just stashed away on the SEC network there. A uh, and <laughs> It came out this week that Connor Wegman is going to be out for the season. It appears so that's going to be a tough break for them. But Max Johnson came in last week and looked very capable at quarterback. So going to be interesting to see if he can carry that moving forward. But uh, you'll see a lot of uh, the money is coming on over this week. I do think that's a fair play. Arkansas's defense is nothing special. And A&M always less down in spots like these. So wouldn't be surprised at that. 
If I had to lean towards the side, I'd lean towards Arkansas. I think they're live here to pull an upset, especially um, if, you know, Bobby Petrino loses a little bit of touch there with the backup quarterback. Things get off schedule behind the sticks. So I would lean Woo Pig there, but really do like the over and truly just excited to be in the building for this one. So, uh, Grayson, I'll kick it over to you. What are your thoughts on the Aggies and Woo Pig? You know, after uh, after hearing about Connor Wegman being injured earlier this week and out for the season, uh, I went back and watched a little bit into that game, looked up a little bit of stat line on it. And there's a lot of talk that everybody thinks Max Johnson has looked better than Connor Wegman has looked all season. So, which is something that's promising probably for this Aggie team. It doesn't surprise me that Jimbo was playing the worst quarterback this whole time. Um, no surprise there. Love the man. Good work, kid. Uh Still worries me. This this Arkansas team is absolutely lethal on offense. Uh, what, they punted the ball, what was it, twice last week against LSU? Um, they're, they're pretty – let me let me make sure I uh, got that right. No, I lied. They punted the ball one time last week against LSU. Uh, they did throw two interceptions, tap the brakes. Uh, but still, this offense is pretty lethal. They have, uh, you know, all around not a very good defense – not a defense that's probably going to make a lot of stops, but definitely could see this uh, this game hitting the over. Reed? Yeah, I was you know tuned in last week. I like that spot for AM, and you see Connor Legman go down. And I'm trying to think, all right, who's the backup quarterback? And I see Max Johnson trot in, and I'm like, oh, familiar face. Let's see what happens here. And the offense just instantly hummed. You know, they looked so much better offensively and you know he just looked 100 percent like the guy and it was a seamless transition so i like a&m in this spot i think that you know they're better defensively than lsu at least up to the uh, up to this point and you know i don't think it'll be necessarily the high scoring affair that the lsu arkansas game was last week but yeah, I think it should be a good one. Uh, I lean LSU, or I, excuse me, I lean AM to cover here, uh, come away with the victory. And it's, you know, hard to say, but I just really liked what I saw last week from this offense when Max Johnson entered. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. Good stuff there. Let's jump into the dumpster, gentlemen. I don't know why Grayson wanted to talk about this game, but here we are. Michigan State travels to Iowa City to get the Hawkeyes in a game which is truly going to make yourself want to stab yourself in the eyes with a spork. Uh, We've got Iowa favored by 12.5. The total is 36.5. Just gross. Uh, Grayson, you wanted to talk about it. Take it. I think we talked about this game a little bit before the podcast. And, you know, I heard a lot of people saying that Michigan State was going to win this game and you know, I'm thinking in my head, I was only lost one game, and yeah, they put up some, they put up an absolute dumpster fire last week against Penn State. But are are they that bad? I know offensively they're that bad, but defensively they're not, they're not bad by any means. And then Reed brought up the point that the spread was 12 and a half, and do we think Iowa can even score 14? Is this is this final score 10 to zero? Is it is it 10 to three? Is it, you know, it's. It's really worrisome. I'm sure the uh, the Big Ten aficionado is going to be able to give you guys a better outlook on this game, but it's just you know a little bit worrisome. 
Reed? Yeah, I you know I've thought about this more and more, and I know the I know some people may like the under here because it just it seems like a horrible game. What is the total at thirty six and a half as we as we're talking about this? Uh, my only caution there for any over betters that think you know what this is going to be it's too low, it's going to be a lock on the over. Uh, if that's the way you're kind of picturing this, I would probably rather lean Iowa minus 12 and a half just because the special teams of Iowa we know is unreal. When your best player is your punter, you know, Michigan State's offense is already bad enough as it is. They're not going to get any easy scores. And, you know, this would not shock me. You know, I have a hard time seeing Iowa putting up, you know, 30 and... I don't think Michigan State is going to have much look at all. Uh, I mean, they put up seven points against Maryland, who, or maybe it was nine points. They held the single. Digit. So, and Maryland is no great defensive team by any means. So, Iowa is a whole different beast, and I don't think it'll be close. I think Iowa probably scores a couple touchdowns here, maybe maybe twenty-one. I don't think they get to the over, but I think they at least cover that number. This game to me feels very similar to the Penn State-Iowa game from last week. We're just going to flip Iowa around to be Penn State. I think this is a game that's live to be 27-0, 27-3, something like that. Iowa has to start running up the points. They're in danger of uh, getting old Kirk there, his, uh, his son, fired from his role as offensive coordinator. So I think I saw that on the, uh, the drive to 325 points, which – if you're not following uh, the Sigos committee, you'll see the little mountaineer climbing up the thing like Price is Right. Uh, he did not move up last week. They scored zero points. So they need to average 27 points a game for him to keep his job the rest of the year. This is a prime spot for him to run it up against a, a complete corpse in Michigan State. So if I was going to lead aside, as terrible as this may sound, and you know I might clip it just so uh, – I can run this back at the start of the next podcast if I look like a genius. And if I don't, I'll just delete it and it'll be like it never happened. But uh, Iowa, team total over 24 and a half is what I will be looking to get in on there. I think they have to start running up some points. And uh, the corpse of Michigan State is going to be a good chance to do that. So crazy, but that's where we're going. Love it. Love it. All right. That is going to do it for our college football talk this week. Coming up next. Triple G, Grayson's Gridiron Games are coming up, and I can't wait to see where we're going here. So, coming up next. And we're back for your guys' second favorite part of the podcast right here. You know, the Triple G, Grayson's Gridiron Games. We're going to rock into a little bit of the NFL right here. And I'm going to talk about the really just chalked up, absolutely hard slated noon games this week. You got two absolute dumpster fire of games. You got Reed's Minnesota Vikings heading out and playing the also 0-3 Carolina Panthers. I think this game is everything that you could possibly want in a game that you're not going to watch. Um, should be should be a really interesting one. Reed's hoping to uh, keep his keep his dreams alive of getting Caleb Williams this season. Uh, moving on from that game, you get another absolute freaking dumpster fire as the Bears take on the Denver Broncos. Two highly anticipated quarterback matchups there. Um, Justin Fields 
fighting for his fighting for his life basically you know Etzel talks about Justin Fields is a good quarterback he's just not fit for the system with the Bears and I couldn't agree more I just don't think the Bears is a good fit for him I think he'd be better off playing just about anywhere else and I also think that these games would be better off played at any other time, preferably at 1.30 a.m. Saturday morning when we all get out from the bars and we're just trying to watch something late at night. That would probably be the ideal spot for these games. Uh, Tyler, you got something? Yeah, I mean, the real question here is, is can we set up some sort of relegation system for the team who loses this game? I mean, there's got to be some college team that we can promote or maybe a, a, a CFL team. I mean, the loser of this game doesn't deserve to be an NFL team, do they? Yeah, we need to start rocking the Premier League structure. If your team, if you're in the AFL and the CFL and your team absolutely goes out and dominates the league, you need to get a boost. We need to get the Denver Broncos the hell out of town, okay? They're notoriously bad. Um, I hope Coach Hayda shows Coach Brown this clip at some point in time because the Broncos are just miserable. And I know the Raiders beat them by one, but a win's a win. Um, so then to soak in all of these just terrific noon games you have, you probably have the best game of the season thus far lined up with the Bills versus the Dolphins, the two top scoring teams in the NFL. And, you know, you got two guys who are potential MVP candidates, uh, in Tua Tengavailoa and Josh Allen's a little bit farther down the list. I think he's like number five. But Josh Allen, nonetheless, love these two offenses. Miami's offense is just extremely, extremely explosive. I just saw a, uh, a bit earlier this week where they had like six clips of the fastest plays in the NFL through three weeks. And it was Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill, and then it was Raheem Mostert, and then it was that Damian Annette guy, or what's his name, Achan. Achan. Oh, uh a chain, yeah. He changed his pronunciation though. It's now French. I think it's a chain. A chain, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was him, and then it was Tyreek again. And you were like, "This offense is just unbelievable." Reed, do you have anything on this uh, on this Bills game? Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Um, you know, I've become less and less of a Josh Allen fan the more I've watched recently, and you know, Tua is probably the 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 early leader for MVP right now with you know the weapons he has and how well they're playing down there in Miami so yeah I I like Miami in this one I think the Bills are are talented but they just clearly something is missing from that team so uh, I just feel like this is a good spot for Miami to keep it rolling and um, I, I expect them to come away with this win. Grayson, are you worried about a hangover after that 70-point performance? I mean, going back, you play a divisional game on the road. I mean, does it feel sleepy to you? It does feel like a little bit of a sleepy spot. They're, I mean, you're not waking up in the morning on playing a Broncos team that's just awful. I mean, you're not playing. you, you got to get your mind right to play this Bills defense. There's something, there's something serious. And... The run game, if Miami doesn't get that run game going, the, the pass game is just locked up. So I'm curious if Jalen Waddle is going to be back this week or not. I'm, do you all know if that's if he's back or not? 
He cleared protocol, I believe, Thursday. So I okay. think he's going to be on track to play. We love that. We love that. Someone that didn't clear protocol this week is my boy Jimmy G. So we're going to get this first start from the soon-to-be legend Aiden O'Connell this week for the Raiders. Going to be an absolutely slated matchup there. Um, really excited to see uh, Aiden O'Connell get that get that start. So that's going to be something serious. They're playing the Chargers. Uh, little division rivalry. And, you know, the Chargers are uh, equally as bad as it looks so far. So could be a really, really tight game there. I wish we could make a bingo card for all of the dumb decisions that Brandon Staley makes throughout the year. And just every time he hits one of them, it's like, oh, bingo, got one. (laughs) Running fullback dive on fourth and one from your own 24 when you could sneak the ball and get it 92% of the time. I mean, it's just like, "Mm, cover that bingo. I actually saw they were talking. They were talking about the Jalen Hurts' tush push earlier. They were calling it the tush push instead of the bush push. It was interesting. We got to come up with a better name than that. Yeah, it's not even worth it because it'll be gone next year. It's going to be abolished. They're not going to let this happen anymore. I can't imagine you taking it out. I mean, it's part of the game. Stop it. Learn to stop it. I mean, I know Jalen Hurts squats five hundred pounds, but he's a normal human like everybody else on the field. Kelsey doesn't have that many more years left in him. He isn't going to be able to be a dog for the next century, okay? He's got like three years left in him. That guy's on retirement. That's why he started his own pod, okay? I would encourage you all to go find this clip on TikTok. It was – somebody was asking – it was Jason and Travis Kelsey on their podcast, and he was – they were talking about the sneak because it's been in the news this week, the the tush push, which is just awful. But uh, apparently the Eagles had some Scottish rugby player in there during camp. And uh, they were they were picking his brain because, you know, uh, rugby, they have like the scrums and it's basically like a quarterback sneak. Right. It's just just yeah. mass humanity right there. So they were asking the guy, they were like, so how would you stop the quarterback sneak? And uh, the guy goes, I, it's impossible, mate. It's just uh, it's uh, what did he call it? Organized mass. They organized mass too well. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's genius. It's like, yeah, they're. Their organized mass is better than yours. Yeah. It's like they organize better. So uh, that was a that was a horrible Scottish accent. Please don't come after me for that. That was probably more Australian than Scottish, but no, it know. was it was good, Tyler. It was good. Organized mass. I'm going to start using that every time. Uh, every time we see the sneak, it's like yeah, they organized mass on that one. <laughs> Getting into a piece that we had talked about earlier this week. I want to get back into a little bit of uh, Zach Wilson. So the Jets are playing the Chiefs this week, which could be uh, problematic for the Jets. But I saw an interview earlier with Chiefs linebacker Willie Gay. They were asking him after watching film and watching Zach Wilson at the helm, what do you see from this Jets offense? That what do you, what do you what do you see from the offense? What worries you? He goes well. You know, it's just it just looks like it's a team that wants to run the ball. And I think that right there really just sums up me and Etzel's point that Zach Wilson is probably the worst quarterback in the league right now that's a starter. The guy is just absolutely dreadful to watch. I mean, I talked with Etzel earlier at the beginning of the game, and I wouldn't want my sister to be the starting quarterback, but, I mean, she she could probably throw a better ball than him, let's be 
let's be a hundred percent real. So it's it's just not a good spot for uh for the Jets. And I would not be surprised if Trevor Simeon wasn't wasn't the starting quarterback in a couple of weeks from now. So I think we need to go back. Remember that uh, NFL 100 commercial they did where there was the big cake that Marshawn fell on and they do like the the whole scramble for the ball and all that? Yeah. I think we should do an exercise where we go through that clip and just pick out everybody we'd rather play quarterback for the Jets than Zach Wilson. It could uh, that, that would be almost never-ending. I mean, I'm taking – I'm taking Johnny Manziel right now. hasn't played football in six years. He's my starter. What, what about current age Terry Bradshaw? He's <laughs> he he could be a potential stretch, but he still knows the game better. Um, I'm actually I'm actually would I would honestly if I was the Jets, I would go over to the Eagles and be like, hey, we're just borrowing Marcus Mariota for the rest of the season, if that's okay with you guys. And he would be my new starter. So, I mean, I don't know why you don't trade for him or do something for him. I mean, it just doesn't make much sense to play a guy that's dreadful. When you have a good team, I mean, they don't have a bad team. So that's just – you can go for it, Reed. I don't think Mariota is the answer. You know, we saw – I don't know if you watched that NFL documentary. There was just nothing in there that makes you say, you know what, That's we want that guy in our team. He just – he wasn't that good, you know. He was, you know, if he wasn't the number two pick back in what was it, twenty fourteen or fifteen, uh, I I don't think that he'd still be in the league. So I mean, he seems like a good guy, but I don't think he's the answer either. And it's not worth giving up draft capital. He's not going to be, you know, a game changer to get you over the hump. You know, I, it really feels like it's either a lost season for them, or they have to go out and trade, you know, more draft capital for a quarterback like a Kirk Cousins or somebody else, but you you know, think- they're not they're not going to win it with obviously Zach Wilson or Trevor Simeon or, you know, whoever they could scoop up for cheap. Do you think Jameis Winston could come over and take this team to a winning season? A winning season, but, I mean, what what's – that's not what – I mean, there's no point in giving up, you know, what's the goal here? You know, this they- roster is built for the Super Bowl – could they be? Yeah. Could they be a playoff team if Jameis Winston comes over? I think they could, but I I don't I think they're pretty capped in terms of you know what they're able to do, and I think people don't really realize that you know it's not just like Madden where you know you trade for a quarterback and he goes in the next week and he's good to go. It's he's got to learn the system. He doesn't. It's not you don't wake up the next morning and know the offensive playbook. Yeah, it's a completely new system. Yeah, you know it, it takes. You know, not only is it knowing what to do, but, I mean, you get in the huddle and you have to reiterate all these long plays. It's not like the quarterback can just tell – or it's not like he can just be told through the headset, you know, what his reads are. He has to be able to relay that to his whole team. And, you know, it's it's tough. You know, you hear of, you know, quarterbacks, and that's why you have preseason. You know, that's why you have all these games to kind of work out the kinks. And, you know, being thrown in the middle of the year is just not – super realistic so you know i think they realize that you know this year's kind of already been a failure and there might just be you know hoping for next year and uh might have already moved on internally well if you're anything like kirk cousins you just don't listen to what your coach says in the helmet you tell him you can't hear and then you throw a pick six afterwards so that's um that's always a solid option is what i heard 
I think we need to talk about you know crowd etiquette. When your team has the ball and there's 30 seconds left and you convert a huge fourth down, you cheer, but when they go to the line of scrimmage, you're not yelling like a chicken with your head cut off. Can we? I mean, there's a reason the five million dollar scoreboard says, "Let's be quiet now, crowd. Be quiet. <laughs> Offense at work." I mean, it, it's just yeah. so off brand of Minnesota to just. I, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, they got they got to pipe down for a little bit. But hey, let's get let's get moving forward uh, to the biggest debate of the week, and for some odd reasons. Uh, Lions fans think that Jameer Gibbs is a better rob- running back than Bijan Robinson. You know, the Falcons played the Lions last week, and Jameer Gibbs had 55 more rushing yards than Bijan. And all of a sudden, they're like, don't know why you guys drafted him so early. The guy's a waste of space, not a good football player, yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah, he's a good football player. He scored me 20 points every week in fantasy until last week, and he's a rookie. So I think I, I, think I like where I'm at. Um, He's also averaging 5.5 yards a carry on limited carries. He's only taken 39 carries this year. 5.5 yards a carry. I think that's pretty much a workhorse to me. Um, Where Jameer Gibbs has taken 31 attempts for 139 yards. And not to mention that Bijan also has 60 more receiving yards than Jameer Gibbs. I think this one is a no-brainer. If you have two eyeballs and you watch football on a regular basis – um, you could probably tell that Bijan Robinson is is the truth, and he is he's legit. So to think that Lions fans are on social media saying that Jameer Gibbs is a better running back is blows my mind. Um, I and I just cannot reiterate or reiterate that enough. Watch the games, you dummies. I mean, come on, Lions fans. I know you've been dreadful for so long, but watch the football. And also, lower your tone whenever you talk to us normal football-watching people. I mean, you better lower your tone when you're talking to me like that, little boy. Bijan is the truth, okay? Don't forget it. Love that. Love that. Yeah, I, I feel like that, you know, there's a reason when NFL scouts go to evaluate, you know, they're not just looking at stats. They're going out there, they're seeing the guys in person, you know, it doesn't take a lot to say, oh, Bijan is a complete running back. He is unreal. And, you know, I have high hopes for Gibbs too, but really making any talks about who's a better player uh, three three games into both their careers is pretty stupid in general. But, yeah, there's – I think Bijan has passed the eye test for sure. Uh, he's more complete and – I think it's a pretty stupid argument anyways. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's all I got on the Triple G this week. We're going to move over to a little bit of our sports betting side of this. I'm going to hand this over to Edsel for a little bit of own the board. It is time, gentlemen, to own the board. As if you need a reminder, uh, we get 100 Monopoly bucks for every week. We get to spread those out across the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook and try to come up with some winners. And uh, last week, Reed, you hit another five-leg parlay. You've absolutely jumped out to a lead. You're up by like 500 Monopoly bucks. I mean, you you've owned, you own Boardwalk and you're in the process of building a hotel on it. I mean, it's, it's kind of ridiculous at this point. 
Yeah, I, I feel like I'm reading the board pretty well, and uh, you know things can always change uh, for the worst. But you know, riding the hot hand and uh, looking to do it again. All right. Well, let's get into this week's picks, and we will go from uh, last place to first here. So, Grayson, you're in last place. You slipped under the uh, the zero number last week. You're into the negative. Uh, you know, Monopoly Man is going to start foreclosing on your houses here at some point. So need you to get back in the black. Where are you looking at for this for this week? You know, I'm I'm struggling right now. And I told you guys earlier today that the only way to get back to the big bucks is you got to go big or you just got to go home. So I'm, I'm going for homeless this week. Uh, give me thirty three dollars on a four leg parlay Michigan money line at minus 650 Georgia money line at minus 900 USC money line at minus 1450 and Oregon money line at 4,500. I'm also going a 30, another $33 bet at Notre Dame money line minus 220 Texas money line at minus 800 and Utah money line at plus 138. And then I'm going one more $35 or $34 bet, which would make a hundred of another four leg parlay. And I'm going Utah to cover the spread of three and a half at minus 120. I'm going South Carolina to not, or to, uh, yeah, to cover the spread or not to cover the spread, right? Yeah. At my, plus 12 and a half at minus 118. I Washington. believe that would be two cover the spread if you're two taking cover. them yeah, plus yeah, 12 yeah, and a half. Yeah, two cover. Um, and then I'm doing Washington at minus 17 and a half to cover, and that's at minus 115. And then I'm going to take Utah versus Oregon State, and I'm taking the over of 44 and a half at minus 112. And those are my three parlays for the week. I'm going broke or I'm going homeless. Either way, you made it tough on the producer this week in charge of the graphics. I mean, so many teams to get down there into such a little graphic, but luckily we were able to get it done. And uh, the producer appreciates your all or nothing approach there. So uh, I guess that'll mean me next. And uh, we're going to keep it simple yet a little bit complicated this week, if that makes any sense. So starting off, we're going college football. I've got four winners that we're going to throw into a round robin by twos for a total of six wagers of two leg parlays. And it goes like this. So I'm taking each of Oregon State, BYU, Kentucky, and Ole Miss to win outright. And I am breaking those up into six individual two-leg parlays. Uh, $10 each way uh, would pay out 160 Monopoly bucks if it were to hit all of them. But hopefully we can get at least three and get some of our, uh, some of our nuggies back. And then that leaves me with 40 Monopoly bucks. And we're taking our talents over to Rome, and we're going to the Ryder Cup. And I'm taking the Europeans to win. We are going plus 100 there. We are taking the Europeans uh, with, you know, we got Rory, Rom, my guy Tommy Fleetwood, Ludwig. I mean, some absolute stallions over there. Plus, the Americans haven't won on uh, European soil since, like, 1990. Uh, gotta believe it until I can't believe it until I see it. So we will take the Europeans at plus money there. So 40 nuggies to win the, uh, to win the Ryder cup. Those are my own the board picks. Reed, it is time for we're you. About to, 
we're about to ship you ship you back overseas after that one. Unbelievable. Well, that's fine as long as I can take my uh, winnings with me. So uh, <laughs> that's a sacrifice yeah. I'm willing to make. Fair enough. Fair enough. Reed, you are out to a commanding lead. Go ahead and take us home on on the board. Own the board. Yeah, Terribly I, sorry. English is hard. I decided to take it. Uh, you know, I got a lead. You know, play it. You could say relatively safe, even though all my I'm going all or nothing here as well. I got one parlay. Um, it's going to be straight money lines. There's reason why they call my pod the money line masterclass because, as you could say, this is what I do. So we are starting off with Texas money line at home against Kansas. We have Michigan money line at Nebraska. We have Georgia money line at Auburn. We have Oklahoma. Uh, hosting Iowa State. We have Washington at Arizona. Uh, Love them boys from App State heading to Louisiana Monroe. Uh, got that money line. Uh, got Oregon and Georgia Tech as well. So, again, I got eight picks there, um, which, you know, all added together is plus 104. So, still got above positive there. But, um, yeah, tell me. I don't see a loss, so you know I, I'm feeling like it's going to be another big win for me. We will see, my friend. We will see. That is on the board for this week. Can't wait to reconvene on that next week. So uh, coming up next, it's time for odds and ends. We have a robust odds and ends section for you. Can't wait to get to it. So odds and ends coming up after this short break. It's time for odds and ends. We're getting in the kitchen. We've got a lot to cook. We've got orders stacked up at the window. It's time to move it here, gentlemen. So we've got three things on the agenda that we're going to talk through real quick. Number one, the Ryder Cup, as you listen to this, has already started. It starts Friday morning at 1.30 in the morning, bright and early or late, depending on where you are. So, uh, Grayson, as we get into this event, I know you love it. I love it. It's my favorite golf event of the year. Uh, what's the what's the main thing you're looking forward to in uh, this year's version? You know, it's got to be that little four man scramble, the little uh, two man scramble alternate shot. That's just for that's just so entertaining. I mean, it's even more entertaining when you got have guys out there that just have absolute sticks like Bryson DeChambeau does. So it's kind of disappointing not to see him playing a little alternate shot. But you know, if you get some of these good matchups in Team USA, you get a Scotty Scheffler matching up with uh, Ricky Fowler or something like that. I mean, you could have some some dangerous combos. I mean, you put Colin Morikawa uh, with somebody that can putt the golf ball, and you're in some serious business. So I'm really interested in that intrigue. That's probably my my big thing I'm looking forward to. I'm really nervous as a guy that's going for the U.S. Uh, this, like like Etzel said, and I don't blame him for betting forty dollars. This this European team is, is something serious. I mean, when you look through this roster that they got, you're thinking your head is, is Shane Lowry, maybe the, maybe the worst golfer on the board on this Europe side. And he's probably, he's probably what he's probably top, top 15, top 20 guy in the world right now. I mean, you, you don't get much better than what they're, what they're going to throw out at you this week. So it's, it's a little bit, a little bit scary. A little bit scary for sure. John Rahm is always going to be performing, and Victor Hovland just absolutely throwing darts in the practice round today, making a hole in one on a par four. So that doesn't doesn't feel too good. Yeah, I mean this European team does scare me. 
Fleetwood has played awesome golf this year. Same with Rory and Rom. Uh, and then, you know, the hottest player down the stretch of the year has been Victor Hovland. And, uh, you know, I saw he's going out tomorrow morning with uh, Ludwig, which is going to be an absolute problem. Two of the best ball strikers in the world. Uh, they're playing against Homa and Brian Harmon, which will be a fun match there. Uh, excited to watch some of these. I won't see the early morning ones, obviously, tomorrow. Uh, probably won't see anything Saturday while we're uh, being Big J journalists. So, uh It'll be fun to catch up on YouTube. I'm excited for this event. I'm terrified for the America team, though. That European team on European soil is going to be a problem. So uh, would not be surprised if we saw a European win once again. But going to be exciting to watch some of the golf this week. It should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Completely agree with you. Let's move on to the next big topic of the week. Damian Lillard was traded from Portland to the Milwaukee Bucks. Just an absolute blockbuster of a trade. Uh, Three-team deal. You had uh, Portland, Milwaukee, and uh, the other team was Phoenix, the Suns. They traded DeAndre Ayton to Portland. Uh, In return, they got Yusuf Nurkic, which, got to be honest, I'm not quite sure what they're doing there. Uh, Reed, what is your uh, general reaction to this uh, three-way trade, which saw a lot going on? Yeah, I don't think many people would have thought that you know, Milwaukee would have been the destination for, for Dame to go to. But, you know, I think it instantly makes them probably the best team in the NBA. You know, I love their core. Obviously, you got Lillard, you got Middleton, you got Giannis, you've still got Brooke Lopez who came back. So just those four players right there, not to even mention, you know, Bobby Portis, you know, this team is just deep. And I think they're going to be legit. Um, you know, I can kind of see why Phoenix jumped in there as well. They were looking to, you know, get rid of Aiden and that big contract. And they were also able to, you know, get a, a few more role players as well, which, you know, they desperately needed. And, you know, obviously Portland was just ready to get this show on the road and, you know, didn't like their offer from Miami and figured this would have been the best road to go because they can, not only get first rounders from the Bucks later on, as well as pick swaps, but you know also ship off Drew Holiday, and uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm liking the approach that you know kind of all the teams took here, and uh, makes me get a little bit more excited for the NBA here. Yeah, and the other thing about this trade, which just I mean, the NBA is it is truly just insane off the court. You have Dame Lillard drop his new uh, mixtape titled Farewell literally two hours after he's traded. It's not even official yet. He's he's out there dropping a mixtape. I mean, that's one thing. And then literally within an hour of being traded, you have DeAndre Ayton. He hops on 2K and changes his character out, and he's already got Trailblazers gear on. I mean, this league is something else with the just the pettiness off the court. I mean – What's next? We're gonna get we're gonna get somebody traded, and they're gonna, you know, what are they gonna do? Announce like a LeBron James style decision where they just go out there and they're taking their talents because they've been traded. I mean, come on. I mean, the NBA is something else with this off the court stuff. But uh, I gotta say, if you were gonna be traded and you were not liking the spot you were in, what is the petty thing you would do after be getting traded? So. Uh, Interested to see your thoughts. What is the petty thing you would do after getting traded? 
Mm, it's a good question. You know, I actually, uh, I might make a video and burn my own jersey. Um, <laughs> haven't thought about this one, but yeah, I would, I'd, I'd have to be creative, you know, something to get the fans on your side, something that'd be funny, something that'd be witty. Um, yeah, that's a good thought. I'm curious to see what Grayson will think on that one. You know, I don't know what I would do if I was about to get traded. You know, maybe uh, I probably – I honestly, I don't know if I would do anything that was overly petty. If I was to get traded from a football team, I might take a little bit of equipment with me, you know, take a helmet or some shoulder pads or something to my next school. But I don't know if I'm, if I'm slandering them on social media or if I'm – you know, I'm definitely not dropping a mixtape, that's for sure. Um, not just not lyrically sound like that. I I apologize for you guys. Um, so, yeah, that's just, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe take a couple things with me. I'm not stealing. I'm just borrowing, more or less. So, that's probably, that'd probably be my best bet. That's what I, think I, my, I think my approach, I'm going the James Harden route. I'm putting on the fat suit, and I'm going out to the nightclubs in Houston, and I'm getting... The sign girls were getting all of the the fire bottles and every all the sparklers and everything. And the sign girls are holding up a sign that says, Daryl Morey is a liar. <laughs> he literally did that this week. This has gotten lost in all of the, the shuffle. This is a legit thing that happened, unless it was AI generated. Somebody will have to check me on this. But it was going around on Twitter that my guy put on his fat suit, went to Houston right before he's supposed to report to Philly, and the sign girls were holding up a sign that said Daryl Morey is a liar with a bunch of sparklers and stuff coming out of it. I mean, just truly tre- tremendous content. Yeah. This guy's probably like, God, I'm living in Texas and I got to move up to freaking Pennsylvania where my property tax is going to be three times more. Oh, what a horrible gig he's got going for him. James Harden is the – he's generational at quitting his job. <laughs> it's it's truly aspirational stuff. I mean, the guy hasn't worked a full season in like five years. Yeah. In in uh in other news, uh Oklahoma City just signed for the Thunder to stay for an extended contract until twenty fifty. And they're ta- and they're really? signing on December twelfth, they're signing a new bill for a brand new stadium for the Thunder. Fun fact. You guys are welcome. That's- Quite the sale job by uh, Mayor Holt there to yeah. uh, get the get the community to sign up for some more property taxes. I mean, one heck of a sale job for that maps project. Just put the backpack on for maps yeah. again. <laughs> Gotta love that. Not sure how I feel about that. I mean, been, hey. do we re- do you really need the Thunder? I mean, no, not when the uh, not when the Dodgers just won their division. Let's go, baby. We're heading to Vegas. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Fire up. Fire up OKC Dodgers. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, good grief. God bless Oklahoma City. Truly a, a special place. <laughs> oh. All right, gentlemen. The time has come. We've teased this for a couple of weeks, and it is finally here. We've got the three-man weave, and we are doing the top five fictional athletes draft. But each of us has to create our squad like a basketball starting five. So got to have some guards, some forwards, a big guy. Going to be truly excited for this. We've done the drawing for numbers off camera as normal, 1 to 50. Uh, Reed has come out with the the top draft pick. I will be second, and then Grayson will be third, and then we'll snake it back around. So Grayson will be 
fourth, I'll be fifth, Reed sixth, and so on and so forth until we each have our top five. And these can be any fictional character. doesn't matter if it's a movie, a TV show, a video game. I mean, a lot of different ways we can go here. A lot of space to run. So, Reed, you get first pick, my friend. Take it and run. You know, if you've ever had the opportunity to play backyard baseball, you know there was one guy that you wanted on your squad. Come on down, Pablo Sanchez. Just an absolute unit. The guy, a true five-tool player. He could do it all. You know, he's going to be my point guard. You know, he can he can see the field. He's got everything you want. He's got the leadership. He's got the skill. He's got the talent. Uh, number one pick, Pablo Sanchez. Multi-sport athlete in the backyard universe there. Truly a generational talent. That's right. All right, so that leaves me a lot of options here. You went the uh, the video game route, and uh, so that leaves me a bunch of options here in the movie world, in the TV world, still in the video game world. I mean, there's a lot of different uh, a lot of different directions we could go here, but you know, maybe controversial, maybe not. Um, with my first overall pick, we are going to take Benny the Jet from Sandlot. Got to take him there at the uh, at the top. He was the number one name on my board. Happy to see he's still there. Just carried the franchise. Uh, Got to take him. So, Benny the Jet, welcome to the team. You know, love those picks, guys. Um, about to hit you with one that I doubt either one of y'all have on your board. But I'm worried if you do that, it would definitely be your next pick. I'm going to go uh, a name that you guys probably haven't heard of. But when I say AKA, you're definitely going to know the guy. Uh, give me Scott Howard, AKA the Teen Wolf at the one. He's going to be rocking the point guard for me. My man can jump from the three point line and dunk. He's a different kind of breed. Uh, going to be going to be an absolute unit on the basketball court for the team. And Taken in my next spot, I'm going to take my shooting guard, and I'm going to take in the two in the three spot my boy Deacon Moss from the Longest Yard. You know, played by Jerry Rice. Guy's an absolute unit. He's a dirty basketball player, and he is your local inmate. He's going to get active on the court. So you've got both guard positions knocked out there with Scott Howard and Deacon Moss. Okay. Um, you, so with Benny the Jet, I feel like he's a good, he's a solid two guard, uh, real versatile. Don't want him handling the ball a ton, but, but, uh, we can slide him over to the one depending on where, uh, where the draft takes us. So, um, here I'm going to go ahead and go for a true do it all type, type character. Someone who I think I can plug in at the, uh, at the point guard position and, and lead the way here. We're going to take Airbud, who starred, of course, in Airbud. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's an absolute legend. He dropped all sorts of numbers on all these kids, and uh, he deserves to be the number two pick in, on my team. So, Airbud, welcome to the point guard spot alongside Benny the Jet at the two. You're killing me, man. Those are two on my list that I wanted to be in my starting five. Uh, started re- wishing I didn't have the number one pick, but nevertheless, we move. Um, you know, shocked to see this guy still on the board, I will say. Um, you know, this might be a little bit controversial, 
but uh, I'd like to go with Jesus Shuttleworth. You know, from He Got Game. Also, well, I won't even say what his real name is because uh, we don't need to go there. But, you know, an absolute legend and both on on film and on the court and in real life. So, again, uh, you know, thrilled that he's on the board. Glad to see, you know, Edsel get a little bit upset there. That's what you call payback. Uh, that was but, a great pick. I can't lie. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to see here here or see him here in the second round. Uh, you know, going to probably put him in, you know, after two or three, we'll see what happens. But definitely, you know, a guard wing type, he's got the height, so can't complain. Uh, you know, you know, I've got the skill on my roster. Now, now I absolutely need the toughness. And that's where we look for the five. And we go ahead and snag Rocky Balboa. Now, he may not be the most skilled but we already have enough skill. We need some toughness. We need some, you know, motivational speaker type beat here for the five. And listen, we tell you, hey, you're going to be a role player. You're going to get your rebounds. You're going to be an enforcer on the defensive end. And you're going to play for the five. Uh, it might be a little bit undersized. It's but 5'11". It's all about heart. It's going to have to be a lot worth a lot more than hard. Just just for that, just wait until I go up. When when I pick, yeah. Okay, you're good, Ed. Go. All right, so I'm getting word from my my head coach that he wants to slide Benny the Jet down to the three. So we're going to go ahead and do that, which opens up the the two-guard spot for – I might be cheating here, gentlemen, so you might have to check me on this, but my my player here in the third round is going to be someone called Player 99. Uh, from NBA Live 99, who uh, just so happened to be Michael Jordan, but due to his own name, image, and likeness dispute, he was not in the NBA Live series that year because he had his own game. So as a replacement, they put in somebody who had maxed out ratings, but they couldn't name him Michael Jordan. So he is... The two guard on my team it is player ninety nine from the NBA Live franchise. You know, uh, Etzel goes and takes you know player ninety nine, a guy similar to Michael Jordan, and that makes me think in my number two spot I got to take someone similar to Michael Jordan as well. Give me uh, Calvin Cambridge from Like Mike. He's going to be my number two, an absolute unit on the basketball court. When he puts the Jays on, he's the best 11-year-old you've ever seen ball in your life, and he's locking up MJ. Moving on to my snake around pick, Reed was over here picking a physical guy at the five, but he's five foot eleven. I think I'm going to take a guy that's going to absolutely dominate Rocky Balboa in all aspects of the game. Give me, give me Turley from the Longest Yard, a.k.a. the Great Kali. He's going to be playing my five slot at seven foot one and 350 pounds. The guy is going to be an absolute unit in the paint. That is fair. That is fair. That's a decent pick there. Um, so this snakes back to me with the, the number four pick. And I have two. I have a forward and a potential center, or maybe we play small and we go we go two forward types here. Um, you know, there's a couple of different directions we could go here, but I'm going to go ahead and take this one 
before I think that he could get potentially taken out from underneath me. Uh, we're going to go with an absolute legend in the world of video gaming. We're taking Bowser from the Mario franchise, an absolute unit down there in the paint. Going to be roaming the paint with his wide body. I mean, just nobody better who could take up space, eat up rebounds. I mean, he he's an absolute unit down there. So we're taking Bowser in the uh, in the big man spot. Yeah, I don't hate the pick at all. That's a you know wide body was is a good way to describe him. Um, yeah, I I've thought about this, and you know we we got the skill, we got the talent. Uh, you know, you kind of need somebody who's just a little bit off, and we're gonna we're gonna lock in Bobby Boucher. You know, he obviously known for his skills on the gridiron. Um, you know, he's he, he, sometimes you just need a little bit of a freak on your team, and you know he brings the freak. That's for sure. Uh, so I'm liking that. I'm not sure if I want to slide him at the three or four. Uh, you know, he's probably he's probably a four. So we'll slide him at the four. Um, at the three, you know, finishing off here. Uh, a little bit of a little bit of a wild card. Um, I'm gonna go with Rod Kimball from Hot Rod. He's also a freak, and the guy is fearless. He is scared of nothing. And you know, when you look at the when you look at the squad, you know, you've got the skill, you've got the toughness, and you got the fearlessness. You got the leaders. Uh, there's nothing I don't see. I'm liking this top to bottom, and uh, not sure if we're going to go coach route as well, but I, I will hold on to that in case that you know is the case. Yeah, we can do maybe a coach or a sixth man. I mean, I think we've got some depth on the board here, so we can prob- we can probably do one or both of those uh, as long as y'all are in favor there. Yeah, that's fine. We can do a sixth man. All right. All right. So rounding out my starting five here, I've got room at the big man spot and my team is also missing somebody who's just a little bit crazy. And uh, I can think of no better person than Quentin Sands of NFL Blitz lore, just an absolute unit at the linebacker position, constantly putting people in that little ambulance that would drive on the field. I mean, he, he, just intimidates anybody who ever would pick up the sticks. Uh, give me Quentin Sands in the uh, the enforcer role for, for my squad. You know, I'm sitting here, my team's – I'm feeling really solid about my team. And I got to get a power forward. And in the spot I'm at, I think there's no better player to play my power forward than to keep my team's just physical resume up than take – the none other than Steve Latimer from the program, the absolute steroid-using monster, is going to be rocking the four spot for the kid. My team is just straight units right now. And there's no other better way than to take this sixth spot than take, you know, there's one thing, there's one common thing in every great basketball team. Every great basketball team's sixth man is a white guy that can drain the three ball. And in that spot for me, taking Squeak Solari from basketball, and he's playing, going to be my sixth man on my team. Nobody's faking my boy out, and he's got the best fake out in the game. Give me, give me Squeak. 
you kind of went for some deep cuts there. I appreciate that. You you went you went and found it there in this draft. I love it. So for me, uh, six man, I kind of want a little bit of a wild card here. I want somebody who has potential to light it up if I need to, but also just a steadying presence out there. So I can think of nobody else better than Jackie Moon of semi-pro lore who could also double as an executive of the team if we need. I mean, he's the perfect fit for my squad. I could think of nobody else who I'd rather have. So Jackie Moon, come on home, buddy. Man, I, I can't believe that, you know, I, I have this opportunity to, you know, I feel like I got the perfect roster. I just need someone to tie it all together. Give me Coach Carter. I, I'm loving what I'm bringing here. It, it just feels like it's such a dynamic roster, team, organization. We're going to win it all! <laughs> I love it. I love it. You went the coach route with the wild card. So uh, if you want to snake around, you can take a six man and me and Grayson will figure out our, uh, our coaching situation. So if you've got depth for it, go ahead and fire away. You know what? Since you guys have already done that portion, uh, you, you go down head and I'll finish last with that one. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, Jackie Moon could kind of double as my uh, as my coach there. So, you know, maybe I could circumvent the rules here and go for a potential, uh, you know, maybe a player coach or something along those lines. Um, I think my team needs a little bit of a uh, injection, if you might. So, for me, I am going to MVP baseball lore. And we are taking the guy who played Barry Bonds because he, like Michael Jordan, was not in the game. Hint, hint, injection. See what I did there? Uh, John Dowd, welcome to the team. You can be our uh, our quick injection of energy, if you will, off the bench. And uh, we'll, we'll have Jackie Moon double as a player coach. So John Dowd, who looks nothing like Barry Bonds, but had Barry Bonds attributes in MVP baseball. Uh, welcome to the squad. Just an absolute unit. I think in this spot, you got to take a coach that knows a lot about winning. And to be blatantly honest with you, if you ain't first, you're last. And that's why I'm taking Ricky Bobby as my head coach. And he's going to lead this roster to the back-to-back NBA champs. Let's go. (laughs) Phenomenal pick. Wow. Um, Well, I guess I'll finish it up here. Uh, after extensive research, you know, you know, the only feel like my thing my team is lacking is uh, speed. So, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab Sonic the Hedgehog here off the bench. You know, when you need a spark plug, the guy is ready to go. You throw it a couple of gold rings, and uh, he, the kid's not stopping. So, I, uh, I thought about that character for a while, as well as Donkey Kong. Those two are sitting in my back pocket, but. Yeah, that's that's an excellent pick there. That's an excellent pick. Yeah, Great Donkey, Kong's, Donkey Kong's for sure got the girth, but I was looking for more speed. So yeah, you know that's, that's respectable. Any other honorable mentions here? I got a couple. Um, of course, Wild Thing Ricky Vaughn from Major League uh, just didn't really fit my squad, so didn't didn't uh, bite on him there. And of course, you had Happy Gilmore and Shooter McGavin from, uh, of course, Happy Gilmore. Uh, but then again, not really fitting the basketball vibe there. And then uh, I also had Ivan Drago, of course, from from Rocky, the Rocky series as well. But uh, my enforcer was Bowser. So 
Didn't need didn't need Mr. Drago. I had uh I had Paul Crew from Longest Yard, uh Peter LaFleur from Dodgeball, Michelle from Dodgeball, and the nun but only Miracle Whip from Like Mike 2. Guy has the best hook shot in the game. Um, feels bad to not have picked him up anywhere, but he just couldn't fit the uh, the ideology of this this absolutely vicious offense. Yeah, I have one guy that I maybe thought about, uh, Carl Weezer. Not that he was any athlete of any kind, but just for the vibes. <laughs> Jimmy's mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's a respectable pick right there. That would have been that would have been ideal. I, I can't believe we. The worst part is we sat over here and decided that we weren't going to pick the Flying Dutchman to take any spots in this position. And my dude can absolutely hoop. So, yeah. Uh, if you uh, if you come up with any, please reach out and flame us. I mean, we might be able to do a part two of this one. We haven't forgotten about rebooting the nickname draft as well. Trust me, we're getting to it. We're busy people. We got a lot on the schedule. So uh, anything else, gentlemen, kind of an extensive pod tonight, but we covered a lot of ground and, uh, you know, really excited for this weekend. Should be a fun weekend of sports, but uh, any main takeaways for from you guys? You know, don't really have a whole lot. Really excited for uh, Arkansas and Texas A&M this weekend, man. We're going to we're going to do a little little pod and give the give the people what they really want. So stay tuned. Reed, if you got to ask Sam Pittman one question, what would you ask him? What size uh, bra do you wear, Mister Pittman? Because those jugs are phenomenal. He uh, he's got a killer rack, and you know I wish I could see it in person, but didn't make the cut this time. Uh, that is my own fault for not getting those credentials in on time. But you know we'll make the best of it, and I hope you ask the same. Coach, how is your uh, voluptuous chest impact uh, KJ Jefferson's play today? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 one sight to be seen um, on Twitter, and I can only imagine what it looks like in person. So <laughs> it, it might be a spiritual experience, to be completely honest with you. Oh geez, that's an absolute tough scene. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to get there. It's going to be an exceptional Saturday of football. Um, yeah, if you see us on TV, you probably won't, but we'll be uh, we'll be down there pregame. So holler at your boys if you see us down there. Uh, can't wait to get to AT&T Stadium and uh, be a Big J journalist for a day. It's uh, it's kind of like the career day at school whenever you uh, your parent comes and they can just make up whatever they want to be for the day. It's like, yeah, you know, we're, we're Big J journalists. Uh, we, we, this is what we do. See the credential? This is us. So uh, can't wait for it. It's going to be a fun day and... Uh, a fun weekend of football in general and the Ryder cup. I mean, there's truly a sports palooza this weekend. So I think that'll do it for us here at the GT counter. I mean, yeah, I see a picture of Sam Pittman's chest and I just don't know what to do. I can't get us out of here anymore. Yeah, somebody, please, somebody, <laughs> please end the podcast for us. All right. Bye. Bye.